Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am so honored to have Dr. Stacy Sims on the show today. Dr. Stacy is a world-renowned researcher, a world-class athlete, and has devoted her life to highlighting the differences between men and women and where we need to take note as women that we don't follow the trends that are made up for mostly men. I was recently obsessed with Wim Hof and trying to overcome my fear of cold plunging. And when I was listening to Wim Hof's book, he highlighted one very special researcher who dove into this work as it relates to women, and that was Dr. Stacy. So honored to call her a friend, and I had to reach out right away to say, give us the skinny on what this cold plunging experience is all about for females. And Dr. Stacy also shed some light on the differences in our gender as it relates to COVID. So please enjoy this and know that it comes with a big open heart of how special and wonderful it is to be a woman. Stacy Sims, in fact, wait a minute, it's Dr. Stacy to all of us that know and love you. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Steph. It's good to hear your voice. Oh gosh, it feels like it's been too long and seeing you in with a suntan and a tank top in New Zealand makes me realize that that was the last plane I was on was your house in New Zealand. So it's yeah. been a while. <laughs> it's a long time ago. I know. Let's well, just ignore 2020. Like let's pretend that year. So we haven't lost two years. We've only lost <laughs> a half of one or maybe one. Yeah. Well, I have to say it was a true honor, a total privilege to be able to spend time with you because as I know with so many females, we flock to you for your wisdom on how we are different than men and having the ability to live with you and just see you walk the walk and talk the talk and be with you in the water to swim in the morning and, and realize that there's life on the other side of Iron Man and there's life that balances all things was super, super special. And I mean, it might've oh, just thanks. been a highlight of 2020. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Thanks. It was fun having you guys here too. Um, uh, yeah. Super fun. Well, and then 2021 hit and I'm in the mountains in Whistler, British Columbia, where I mean, not just in Whistler, the trend really became cold plunging. And for months, I was too much too petrified to plunge. I don't like cold water. I don't, I don't want to get in the cold water. I don't want to be cold. And I started listening to Wim Hof and then I had to read his book and I'm reading his book. And all of a sudden Wim Hof talks about Dr. Stacy Sims. And I just think, oh my word, if there's one person to riff on the topic of cold plunging and so much more, it's you. <laughs> I'm everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and what I love is that when I reached out, you didn't even know that Wim Hof gives you the props that he does in his book. So I'm going to leave that to you to dive into, but obviously you know, you and Wim did some work together while you were at the university in, in New Zealand. And I would love to know your thoughts, if you can just enlighten us high level on what is cold plunging for women and how is it different? 
Yeah, I mean, it's becoming the rage over in the UK as well. So I get a lot of questions about open water cold swimming. And now that it's getting cold in New Zealand, we have people that swim year round and people still do no wetsuit Wednesdays in the middle of winter. And it is this thing like cold water immersion is so good for you. I think it primarily got the driver because it supposedly increases ground fat utilization, which is a quote active fat that people want to develop, but it's been disproven that adults can actually build more brown fat. But when we look at what's happening, women versus men, we know that most of the research out there, per usual, has been done on men. And then when we look specifically what's happening with women's physiology, we know that to get a good response, the water doesn't have to be as cold and the exposure doesn't have to be as long. Women will get a really good response with regards to changes in vasodilation and constriction, as well as changes in their immune response, which is a big thing that people are after to decrease inflammation, to increase the fast response against virus and bacteria, to be able to control fever responses. And this is the undercurrent of why a lot of people are looking for that cold water punch, which translates into the layperson saying, oh, increased longevity. And that mm. may or may not be, who knows. So as we know, in men and women, there are specific differences where women tend to vasodilate after exercise and walking into a room, they need it to be a little bit warmer than a man because set points and temperature differences are very inherent. And so when we're looking at cold water exposure and cold water plunging, again, like I said, women don't need the temperature to be as cold as men, because when we get in, we have this dilation and severe constriction response. And it's primarily driven by estrogen. Estrogen is tightly tied to that endothelial function of the blood vessels that causes the constriction and um, dilation responses. So when a woman gets into the cold water, she has a really strong constriction response, which causes a lot of cascade responses to affect the immune system, to affect inflammation. And if you do it in the high hormone phase or in times with elevated estrogen, it's even larger response because estrogen drives the vasodilation. So cold water triggers it to be an even stronger constriction response. So your hormone perturbations across the menstrual cycle also affect cold water responses. So they don't have that to worry about. Hmm. And some of the work I was doing with Wim Hof kind of falls into this whole thing of looking at immune system and inflammation. Because one of the people down here that is a good friend of Wim's and wanted to look specifically at endometriosis because his wife and quite a few other people that we know suffer significantly from endo. And from a physiological perspective, when we look at endometriosis, it's an inflammation-driven response, also driven by estrogen. So we have a lot of cell proliferation and inflammation that comes with endo. So if we're looking at the responses that happens with cold water by improving the immune system, decreasing inflammation, attenuating some of the cell proliferative aspects of estrogen, the cold water made sense to attenuate some of the endo problems. So women that were in our study came in at the onset of some of their symptomology. So you know, a few days before their period started to slow down the cramping, the heavy bleeding, the incredible amount of pain they have with it. And we found that if we expose them to cold water for three days around ovulation, and then again in the four to five days leading up to their period, 
it slowed down and attenuated the endo growth and responses. So instead of having to have severe pain and exist on painkillers, they're using cold water immersion, which can be painful, but oh. building up a tolerance to it, plus the breathing protocols that Wim Hof actually uses, it instigated more the parasympathetic responses, so the calming responses, and of all of that feeds forward to better immune and reduce proliferation from the estrogen. So we have really good data on this, but we need to increase the numbers in order to have it as like a full, robust, published study. Mm. Do you think many women are aware of this, Stace? Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. Because I've just thought that I was too weak, not brave enough. I need to muster up more energy. I just... I just couldn't get in the cold water. (laughs) No, I'm with you. I hate the cold. There's two of us that swim and we showed up yesterday morning for what ended up being our last ocean swim. And the people we swim with like, oh my gosh, you girls are here. What are you doing here? It's too cold. We're like, don't say that. We're going to try it. Yeah. No, it's just, you get that severe constriction in the hands and like I get rain on. So it's painful. Painful. Yeah. I know that if I keep the exposure and keep going, that it will become less painful and mm-hmm. the Raynaud's won't be as severe, but I just can't get myself to get over that initial pain and coldness. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was my next question, because first of all, I want to honor endometriosis and make sure that people will ensure that there's links below for people to know how to get more information from your perspective on this. It's I think I read somewhere like 30% of women suffer from endometriosis. Does that sound right? That's the diagnosed, but there's a significant amount of undiagnosed because people just think heavy bleeding and pain is normal, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, Of all the things to love about Dr. Stacy is that all of the things we have been taught, trained, educated on to believe to be true. You help remind us that wait a minute, you can question those stats. They might not all be true and they Mm. might not have been designed. The case studies might not have been designed for us as female identified humans. So endometriosis in and of itself and cold plunging as it relates to women. Wim speaks about the duration, like the number of times you have, I think it's like 21 days, 10 days, 21 days in order for your body to adapt is adaptation a similar time frame for women? Well, then this is the thing. Women will never fully adapt to cold water. Mm. They will get some fluctuations and threshold shifts that will allow them to tolerate the cold a little bit better, but they will never fully adapt like men do. Mm. And the rationale and the scientific reasoning behind that is still being studied. We're not exactly sure why it could be a genetic aspect. It could be a hormone aspect and it can even be the genetic aspect of XX versus XY and some of the epigenetic exposures from the cold water. But we know that men will adapt fully, be able to withstand the cold, increase their shivering responses and garner a lot of the stuff that we think about when we think about cold water immersion. But women, not so much. We will not have as severe of the constriction response. Our shivering response will never kick in to be as thermogenic as a man's to be able to withstand the cold. So when we're talking about exposure for women and adaptation, 
we usually say, you know, you do five days and then a couple of days off and then another five days sent. Mm. Um, but it's more of you want to get five days in a row to get some immune responses and, you know, work with what's going on from a hormonal perturbation. And part of the other aspect that's still being investigated is because we have this fluctuation of estrogen and estrogen is so tightly tied to shivering and blood vessel control that it might be estrogen is a bigger mediator for adaptation than what initially is thought. Oh gosh. Okay. So there's a lot to consider. And with all due respect to Wim Hof and his courageous way of being and way of living, I think there are many asterisks that say that all of that book and all of his ways may not be the ways for us. And it is okay to (laughs) not follow the Wim Hof Bible and still experience some cold plunging different ways. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for women to understand is the parasympathetic drive that we want to increase. And you can do that through cold water exposure. You can do that through mindful meditation. You can do that through specific breathing exercises, but it's the parasympathetic response that so many women are not getting into enough. We're very sympathetic driven. And if we get into a sympathetic response and we stay there, then our immune system goes crazy. Our hormones are affected. We get bigger incidents of endometriosis and responses to that cell proliferation. And part of the cold water exposure and part of the ethos of it is that whole, your body's coming within itself to be able to withstand that pain and cold, which is a parasympathetic response. Hmm. Got it. Can we switch gears for a second? So mindful that your time and being able to tap into you and the world has struck 2021 is so special. And you have interesting things on the horizon. I'm not sure what you can speak of as it relates to your own projects and companies and innovations for that matter. But in the same way that you said cold plunging is taking off in the UK and you know, here in Canada, I can tell you that definitely feels like it's taking off more so now than perhaps a few years ago. I'm wondering what other trends you're seeing or what do you see as, dare I say, like the future of health that really matters. And I want to highlight where there may also be discrepancies between that which we are being prescribed from a gender perspective. Yeah, well, I'll start with the whole COVID situation. So Mm. COVID in itself being investigated, there's significant differences in responses between men and women. And because it is such, you know, it's a pandemic, Mm. it's now in the eyes of everyone who is doing biomedical research to look at the sex differences. So Mm. out of all the things COVID, I'm like, that's a plus. Can we say that's a positive? Or now Mm. we're like, oh, there's these different responses right down to vaccines are more efficacious women than a men, where men get more of the side effects. Why? Because the women's bodies are able to process the technology of the vaccine. So it's been really interesting in that scope. Wow. The other thing with COVID is it's made people aware of how vulnerable they are. So everyone is now looking at ways to improve their immune system and improve their health. So, you know, like looking at the supplement industry in 2020, it was the US part was 140 
billion-ish, and now it's on the upwards of 270. Holy because God. of everyone trying to dig into improving their immune system. Right. So you're looking on the outskirts of what's happening. So cold water plunge and exposure because it boosts the immune system and causes uh, resilience to stress. People are starting to do that. You're looking at mindfulness and more uptake of taking care of yourself and whatever means that is, that's also coming more to the forefront. We look at the investigation into what kinds of prebiotic type foods will help with health to improve lung function and immune responses. Mm. So those are the big things that have come out on the outskirts of COVID. And those are what we're seeing in the trends of health and wellness that instead of being more body composition performance oriented, more people are looking for that wellness and immune response and getting robust immune systems. Wow. I didn't even realize the sex differences between COVID responses or vaccine responses. And Mm. that makes so much sense. Yeah. And then part of me is like, when I look at how the immune system in a woman changes across the menstrual cycle, like the first in the low hormone phase, we're really adept at fighting virus and bacteria because the body doesn't want an invader to kill off the egg that is getting ready to be released. Then after ovulation, you have an inflammation response to be more of a fever response because they don't want killer cells coming in and attacking a fertilized egg because then you know humans wouldn't evolve. So you have this change over in your immune system. So when I think about the COVID jab and the vaccine, I often wonder if it's better if a woman gets it in the low hormone phase than the high hormone phase because her body is very well adapted to uptake the virus and implement the change in the RNA to boost her own immune system. Wow. I wonder if people are even considering this while they're booking their vaccine appointments. (laughs) Probably not. I will. (laughs) I will, of course. (laughs) Oh gosh. Are vaccines available in New Zealand? It's a slow rollout. They have done all the healthcare and border workers and border worker families and lower socioeconomic people who are around the borders. Got it. Then they're starting to roll out to 65 and older, and then normal people won't even start to be looked at until July. Oh, wow. Okay. Gosh. Well, I mean, vaccine aside and knowing that you haven't been able to be on a plane for a year, which is completely unlike you. If you know Dr. Stacy, she is in the U.S. and or otherwise, not even just the U.S. You're just traveling outside of New Zealand, what feels like half the year. So I can't imagine how it's felt to not be on a plane. So other than the traveling component, I'm wondering if you would be open to sharing how COVID has has impacted yourself. Well, I feel a bit trapped really in the Uh, fact that like New Zealand is very open and normal, but again, our borders are shut. So, mm. you know, we now have a bubble with Australia. So you see people who Australia, New Zealand family oriented, and they're all excited. But I feel like, you know, my grandmother's 104, my parents are over in the States and I can't get there to see them. Yeah. So that travel aspect is more than just work orientation, which yeah, the family And my mom hadn't seen my daughter in almost two years. And it's just that strong 
pull to get home to get back to seeing family. Yeah. I mean, work is harder because of different hours and not being able to travel to get stuff done, but mm-hmm. managing that with early mornings and late nights. But yeah, it's just a, a whole new way of living and thinking. Yeah. Have you been able to travel or explore New Zealand at all? Or is that not really a thing? Everyone is domestically traveling. And in some ways, because the whole country has school holidays at the same time, it's it's hard to go anywhere unless you take your kid out of school. Right. Uh, but yeah, we're looking to do some more domestic travel. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But It's not Hawaii in the middle of summer. That's for sure. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Well, Stace, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate the insight and the reminder that, you know, your online course is all about the fact that women are not small men. And I think that it just continues to perpetuate. And as something new like COVID comes or a new trend known as cold plunging, we're realizing that that couldn't be more true and it will continue to come up time and time again. And I'm just so grateful that you devote your life to putting us on the map and letting women have a place and a space to be different. So thank you for that. And you're welcome. And, you know, I always say to people that I'm talking to that, it's a team effort that every time I'm on a podcast or, you know, interview or something like that and talking about it, spreading the word. And then another person hears it and keeps going and going, going. So yeah, thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. Well, we wrap every podcast with one last question and that is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Be- being a parent, my kid loving her mountain bike and being super competitive against her friend. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> A daughter after your own heart. There's no question where she's come from. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I guess it's a first world problem, so to speak, when you have a little girl who's like, I'm going to sprint even though I'm tired, but I just have to beat my friend. It's like, oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I love it. Well, please send my love to your family and that sweet dog of yours. I'm excited to share this conversation with the world. So thank you. Thanks, Steph.